The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Avery and Robbie here to recap the Michigan State game, preview the Maryland game. For a Husker team that is still in the hunt for that six-win bowl eligibility, they fell just short to Michigan State last weekend, 20-17. After the October Nebraska had trending in kind of the right direction, it feels like this Michigan State result is still pretty shocking to, I think, the team and just fans, media members. It wasn't the prettiest game. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's for sure. Right, but I just think the way that Nebraska was after the October – uh, you know, 3-0 and that they had. It felt like Michigan State might have been the game to kind of close the door on that eligibility and then just be able to pray, play freely for the next three weeks. Just how have your reactions maybe changed since Saturday or remain the same? Yeah, I mean, my initial was mostly just disappointment, right, because Nebraska did have all that positive momentum. Um, I, I think it would have taken a huge – amount of pressure off of them to get bowl eligible before they hit this three-game stretch, which is, it is more challenging than the stretch they had from October and then into the beginning part of November with Michigan State there. Um, That would have been the ideal scenario, right? But how many times this year has this Nebraska team actually had an ideal scenario? Mm -hmm. Pretty much never, whether it's uh, from the start of the year where they just really struggle against a Minnesota team on an opening night to the injuries that they've suffered on both sides of the ball. You know, we focus on offense all the time, but they've missed some key pieces on the defensive side of the ball as well. And just all of the things that have happened with the turnovers and and everything that's gone on, there really hasn't been an ideal scenario for Nebraska all year. So maybe we shouldn't have expected that. Uh, Maybe we shouldn't be disappointed. Um, I do think a lot of the disappointment, for me at least, is the stress that is now put on these next three games Mm -hmm. because, to me, you have to win one of them. You have to get bowl eligible this year. And if that doesn't happen, I think that's the disappointing part of kind of anticipating what it looks like if they do end up going Mm -hmm. five and seven at the end of the season here. That's more of it to me than the game in and of itself because – and, and you and I talked about this a little bit earlier. I don't know that Nebraska played that much differently than they did during the winning streak, mm-hmm. right? It, it was, you still had the turnover problems. You still had some lack of ex- execution on offense. The big difference was the defense get, didn't get any takeaways, mm-hmm. and they allowed a couple more chunk plays. Now, 
I still thought they played pretty well. I thought the defense played pretty similar to how they had in a lot of the games this year. Just wasn't quite enough today. So it's hard from a that game specifically standpoint to say, oh, they yeah. played terrible. I mean, they didn't have a penalty the entire game. Right. That's and miraculous. Yeah, a disciplined team compared to what we've what seen, fans earlier. Have seen earlier, even in past seasons where yeah. it's – pre-snap penalty after pre-snap penalty so that, that's a bright spot yeah for sure and even earlier this year you know procedure penalties were a big problem even earlier this year so you know you look at some things you're like hey that's a really that's yeah. a really positive sign um it's just the uh, honestly i think it's the anxiety of okay now you've got this harder game mm-hmm. uh, stretch of games and nebraska really has to get one of them two of which are against teams that i mean they haven't beaten wisconsin in over a decade at this point and they got their first win against Iowa in a long time last year when there was really nothing on the table in terms of stakes. They knew the coach wasn't going to be there. There was no bowl game on the line. That Iowa game could have a heck of a lot more pressure than it had, did last year. This is, to me, it's the anxiety more than the actual performance against Michigan State. Do you think it's fair to say some of the major disappointment from this past weekend was the connotation of it being Michigan State versus a different team? Absolutely. If this Michigan State team comes in five and three as opposed yeah. to two and six or even four and four, then we're having a totally different conversation right, right now. Yeah, I think so too. And I, you know, I didn't buy into it all week when they're like, "Oh, this team's closer to six and two than they are two and six. I think this team was at best four and four like if you look at how they've played throughout the year I couldn't really get them to better than four and four but even if they had been four and four we feel totally differently about the result of that game because it's like ah they're in the same neighborhood as Nebraska it's a three-point game you know you don't feel that bad about it it's on the road but the fact that they were two and six yeah and you lose to them I think I think you're right that's a great point of how that impacts our perception of what happened. Yeah, so one of the biggest points of conversation all season has been the offensive struggle, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. You have your backup quarterback in who's finding his way, learning just procedurally how to win a football game, mm-hmm. not, not even just the playbook, but ha- being in these game experiences now. But beyond that, then you have a depleted wide receiver room. I mean, you can't forget the injuries you're having to Ramirez Johnson, Gabe Irvin. I feel like some of those things still get lost a little bit now when you look back on, okay, maybe the rush game hasn't succeeded as well as it did in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Well, for obvious reasons. And so that's kind of forced this Nebraska team to look to the air a tad bit more. And we discussed this earlier at, and I'm going to ask you again just uh, to kind of dig a little bit deeper here. Yeah. In the explanation, you know, Heinrich went 12 for 28, 129 yards with two interceptions. But Beyond that, it was more or less about just the reads maybe not hitting. And the play calling should have been executed because they were open. Receivers were open. Plays down the field looked like they should be open. Mm -hmm. And they were. The balls just weren't getting there. So from an offensive coordinator position, it's hard to call a game when things are working. It's just not being executed correctly. For them to continue to keep trying that versus maybe going to the ground game more or even just allowing Heinrich to do what he does best a little bit more, just what was your initial reaction on that? And how do you think Nebraska makes those in-game adjustments? Maybe if that becomes an issue this weekend as well. Yeah, so for me, you know, I've talked all year about how I'm not real comfortable with Harburg throwing it more than about 12 to 15 times a game. Yeah. And I get that that's an insanely low number. But that's where I think he's at as a passer at this point in his career. Now, it's really hard to criticize play calling with this particular offense for a lot of the reasons you pointed out. First and foremost, the injuries, mm-hmm. right? This isn't the quarterback you thought you were going to start the year with. This isn't the running back you thought you were going to start the year with. It's not even the backup running back you thought you'd start the yeah. year with. It's none of the receivers you thought were going to play 
significant roles. Like, I think they maybe thought Jaden Doss was going to get on the field before he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, that's another injury that we don't talk about is that yep. Jaden Doss missed Pre-season a injury. huge chunk of time yep. earlier because of a broken hand, I believe mm-hmm. it was, broke hand wrist, uh, something like that. But, you know, you, you have three offensive linemen the last couple games that – you weren't expecting to have to play the number of snaps that they're playing. So that's the first reason it's really hard to evaluate this offense. And those aren't excuses. Those are just facts of where Nebraska's offense is at currently. Second, you're right. Conceptually, a lot of the plays that were called work. Mm -hmm. And so I understand why Satterfield's like, hey, this guy's open. Like, call that play. Why would we stop calling? Yeah, yeah, if our guys are getting open, if the things that we're trying to accomplish – are being accomplished in terms of getting these guys open why would we stop calling these plays and you have this balance of conceptually this play works but our quarterback right now does not have the ability to execute it and I think you have to find that balance between giving your offense and giving Heinrich Harburg opportunities to execute without continually putting him in situations where he's failed. Mm-hmm. I mean, over and over again this year when he's been asked to pass any any more than kind of that 12 to 15 number that I'm comfortable with, he's shown that that's a place he struggles. He's shown that he struggles to read defenses sometimes. He's shown that accuracy is a problem. If a guy consistently cannot execute the things, then even if conceptually the guys are open and the play works – at a certain point, you have to understand that execution is just not going to happen this year with Heinrich Harburg, and I don't know when you make that decision because obviously it can really limit your playbook. It can really limit trying to take advantage of what the defense gives you, and I, I just don't know from a offensive coordinator standpoint that balance is so challenging, mm-hmm. and so I don't really envy Marcus Satterfield in the position he's in because I'm out there being like, hey, why are we throwing the ball 30 times? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, hey, those guys are also open. Mm-hmm. You know, like Alex Bullock was running wide open, and it ends up being an interception. Yeah. You know, Malachi Coleman is running wide open, yeah. and either it goes to a different guy or it's a it's a inaccurate pass or whatever. You know, Fedoni a couple times open, the ball sails on him, goes high. Like you, I understand from Satterfield's standpoint, it's like, hey, that's a good play. Yeah, we got the look we wanted. It's like in basketball, you know, you you get a wide open three point look and you miss it. It's like, well, do I? Stop having that guy shoot it, Mm -hmm. or do I need to keep drawing up the same play because it works? I don't envy him at all, and it makes it unbelievably difficult to evaluate this offense. And that's not to say that Heiner didn't have a few dimes out there. Like There were some that were pretty impressive, and I think the one that continues to stand out was that one out of the end zone to Malachi Coleman. Mm -hmm. So there's there's flashes of it where you're like, okay, it can happen. There's areas where I think he's more comfortable throwing the ball. And usually, if you look consistently over the course of the season – that kind of seam route down the middle, whether mm-hmm. it was Malachi, he's hit Fedoni on Fedoni, it a bunch this yep. year, is it seems like that's the throw he most consistently makes. Yeah. It does sail on him sometimes still, but that's the one I'm most comfortable with. Now, obviously, you have to do other things. Otherwise, people will just stack the middle of the field, yeah. and that, that won't be open anymore. But I think they have to figure out what throws he's comfortable making on any sort of consistent basis and build the offensive game plan around that. Because listen, if you have to throw it 20, 25 or more times, the, the play, the throws that he was trying to make against Michigan state, which were open. I don't think that's an aberration. I think that's where he's at as a passer right now. And you have to adjust your play calling to that. We've heard through and through that Heinrich is the quarterback of this Nebraska football team. Mm -hmm. However, we've also heard that 
this staff doesn't have any problem using multiple quarterbacks to win a football game. Mm -hmm. Because of last weekend and just maybe the inconsistencies in the air, do you feel like this weekend there's a possibility that the two-quarterback system comes into play when Nebraska needs some consistency in the air? And then from what it sounds like, they want Heinrich to get back to week two or or I guess three or four Heinrich where – just His first couple weeks. Ground and yeah. pound. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's multiple quarterbacks. Now, I don't know. It seems like they are not super ready to kind of pull the plug on the Heinrich Harburg thing yet. So I think they'd have to be very careful about the way they did it in the sense of kind of having it pre-planned and the way it's communicated to, to all the quarterbacks in the room to be like, hey, we are going to get Jeff a couple series or we are going to get Chubba a couple series here to see what it looks like with some other guys. Because I really, I mean, I believe Rule when he says that he's got three guys he thinks he can win, win games with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because he thinks all three guys are capable or if he thinks the defense and the rest of the team is good enough that they can carry uh, whoever it is at quarterback. I'm not sure. But yeah. what we've also heard is that Chubba's the best pure passer on this team. Yeah. So if you want to throw the ball 20, 25, 30 times a game, I don't think it's crazy to be like, hey, this guy's the best pure passer on the team. Let's maybe give that guy a look if we think that's what we need to win games. I don't think they're going to – totally change things up and say hey Harburg you're out whatever but there's some things that we know about this Chubba Purdy situation that I just mentioned and let's not forget Harburg was behind Purdy in camp before Mm -hmm. Purdy got injured so I have to imagine the gap between them can't be that big in the coach's head now as Harburg showed more on the field than he probably did in practice I have to imagine that's the case but I, I don't think that – I mean, I've, I've been in that situation. You don't just erase what you saw from Purdy yeah. in fall camp that made you want to put him in that second spot anyway. So I, I do think it's possible. I don't think it would be a wholesale change. I think it would be maybe specific packages yeah, for right. either Sims or Purdy. Right. Well, a quarterback that does like to throw the ball around is mm-hmm. Talia Tagovailoa. He's got about almost 3,000 passing yards on the season. That's just the name of their game for mm-hmm. Maryland. He's a very talented quarterback, passes it around the most in the conference, third best offense in the conference. For a, I guess, flipping to the other side of the ball for Nebraska. Mm-hmm for a game that seemed disappointing to them. And we've talked about this. You know, it wasn't at the end of the day, they did not have an atrocious game. You know, they limited Michigan State to 67, 63 rush yards, under 100, hit that benchmark. Just there were some blown assignments in the backfield that Coach White has expressed just – isn't acceptable and I think the standard in which they set their play just was not met this past weekend so it was an atrocious defensive uh, performance from it. it just wasn't what this black shirts group expects out of themselves yeah. so I can imagine there's a pretty big challenge on the table this weekend when you have a quarterback coming into memorial that likes to throw it the way he does mm-hmm. that's their offensive attack and then you didn't play the way you wanted to last weekend mm-hmm. What do you expect to see from the secondary and just for maybe what you've heard in in terms of temperament from Mm -hmm. Coach White this week in press conferences, which we don't usually hear. It's pretty cool, calm, and collected. There's some frustrations still there. What do you expect to see and what is going to have to happen from the secondary to make sure that they keep this Nebraska game in in the game? Yeah, for me, it's actually less about the secondary and it's more about the pressure that they put on Tagovailoa. I mean, we heard Coach White talk about how he was beating himself up for not being more aggressive Aggressive, and not letting his guys play fast and loose and free. To me, that's the situation that will dictate how this goes. If they're able to get 
uh, Tagovailoa to not be comfortable if they're able to move him off his spot. Because um, he moves okay in the pocket, but yeah. he's not a he's probably not going to take off and, and run on you a ton. Um, that's not something I'd be super worried about. You really need to put pressure on him in a pretty consistent way so that he is not able to just keep his eyes down the field and pick apart your secondary. Um, that, to me, is going to be the biggest key. Pressure is a secondary's best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I don't think Nebraska did a good enough job of, of that against Michigan State in terms of consistently generating pressure. And, and Coach White kind of echoed that as well. So that's my first key. The second thing is, what does the secondary look like against Maryland? Are they going to have Omar Brown back? Are they going to have Malcolm Hartsock back? Uh, those are a couple pretty key guys there. What's Marcus Buford look like in his second game back? Mm-hmm. Those are some pieces that I think are going to have to play and play well for Nebraska against the best passing attack they're probably going to face. I mean, I, I, it, it is the best passing yeah. attack they're going to face all season. So those those are the two things to me is how healthy is the secondary, which guys are going to actually be playing. Yeah. And, uh, I, and you know, speaking of health, it, Prince Will's availability, that I, that dude is already kind of a game changer mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball as a true freshman. Yep. We saw the play that, that Coach White called out last week where he takes away a pass on the slant and then go makes a play in the flat. That's not a normal play. <laughs> that is an extra – like. Uh, Extra, extraordinary, extraterrestrial, what do you want to call it? <laughs> like, that's a crazy play for right. a true freshman to make. And for Nebraska to be missing that guy in a place where they really need to perform against Maryland would be a, a pretty big problem for me. Yeah. Not to say that they couldn't still get the pressure where they need to, but I think they're going to have to bring plus pressure more if Prince Will doesn't play, and obviously that makes life a little bit harder on the secondary because you've got less help back there. Um, so to me, health is is second or maybe 1B to the 1A of yeah. you have to make sure Tagovailoa is not comfortable back there. And don't make your... Don't make your secondary cover for four, five, six seconds on yeah. a play. It needs to be three and under so that they have a fighting chance against this offense. Right, and another strength of this Maryland team is their defensive front. You know, they're mm-hmm. only one behind Nebraska in sack total at 27. Nebraska sits at 28. Mm-hmm. Another area of Nebraska's team that's beat up is the offensive line, right? It's just another area. So how much do you think that impacts the offensive game for Nebraska this week when the strength of Maryland's team is also on defense as well? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll affect the the game, the the way the game is called by Satterfield as much as anything. Because, again, the same way you can't really ask your secondary to defend for a, a, an extended period of time, you really can't ask your offensive line, especially a beat up offensive line, yeah. to protect for an extended mm-hmm. period of time. So, would you love it if you could drop back and have four, five, six seconds to to have your routes develop and and read your progressions and everything like that? Yeah, absolutely. That's not realistic, both with Maryland's front and with uh, Nebraska's offensive line. So to me, it's going to be trying to make sure you put Harburg in situations, whether it's quick quick passes, whether it's getting him out of the pocket intentionally and rolling him out, which I think they should do more of anyway to kind of get him comfortable. Um, and make him kind of be able to see the field a little bit better with not as much traffic directly in front of him. Uh, to me, those are going to be some of the keys yeah. to neutralizing a Maryland front that, that really could give Nebraska problems if they're not careful. Yeah, 
I, I said this earlier, but the press conferences this week feel a little bit post Michigan like mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit more temperament, a little bit more fire, and for, for right rightful reasons. Yeah. But have you heard anything from the players or coaches, Coach Rule specifically, that just has caught your attention? Yeah, the thing from Coach Rule this week that caught my attention the most was him talking about pressure on players mm-hmm. and how it's not he doesn't want to take pressure off of players. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to you know, make their life easier and make it less stressful. He wants them, he wants to get them to the point where they can perform in those situations. And to me, I really resonated with that because you're not, you're not going to be able to take the pressure off of guys. Mm -hmm. If you're playing high stakes football, which Nebraska, it's high stakes for them right now. And in the future, you want it to be high stakes on a national level. Yep. If you're going to be playing high-stakes football, there's always pressure. Yep. You go to Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, always pressure. Yep. Right? You lose a game at those places, and the fans are going crazy. The message boards are going crazy. Everything is ramped up. That's where Nebraska wants to be. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds a little toxic sometimes with, oh, Saban lost a game. We got to get rid of him, whatever, you know, and there are Alabama message boards like that. But you want oh, to what be, a world. I know, right? What a, what a world to be in where that's a problem <laughs> you would have, right? But those are the situations where you want to put yourself yeah. in a place where there is pressure. Because if there's no pressure, you're not playing for anything. Yeah. And that's not where Nebraska is going to be, wants to be. Nebraska's been playing without pressure for a long time. Mm-hmm. That is not where they want to go back to. They want to go to places where the pressure is amped up and they have the ability to deal with it. So yeah. that, to me, really stuck out. And his awareness of that and... Uh, to me, if you're not aware of it, you're not able to teach it and yeah. help your team overcome it. And so the fact that he's aware of it, he can he can verbalize it, he can articulate it. It gives me confidence that he's going to be able to teach that to his team. Yeah, well, interesting matchup this weekend. Both teams are looking to become bowl eligible. This is a Maryland team that is five and two, and or sorry, five and four, mm-hmm. and they had five wins in the first five weeks of their season, and now they're on a four-game losing streak. And so they're also looking for that eligibility as well. And Nebraska is looking to maybe right some wrong from last weekend so there's a lot on the table for both teams mm-hmm. this week and I think they're both trying to write the ship a tad bit and uh, for Nebraska it's uh, coming off a quick you know disappointing loss and for Maryland it's a cold streak so we'll see what happens this week at 11 a.m. in Memorial Stadium against Maryland and the next week we'll be here to preview the game away at Wisconsin. A Heard at Sports Network production.